Well, good morning. So I heard George is in the house. I'm from Georgia. Jessup, Georgia. Have you heard of that? I was born in Brunswick, Georgia. We got some Brunswick people here? All right. Yep, born in South Georgia, then moved to Jessup, Georgia when I was 12. My dad was a pastor. And so I lived in Georgia until I went off to Southeastern University. Used to be called Southeastern Bridal College, lovingly. That is where I met my husband. So I never went back to Georgia. After that, we got married. So God is good. Well, somebody declare this with me. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise for all he's done this weekend. Praise the Lord. That's the way I like to start my day. When I wake up in the morning, that's the first thing I think about is this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It just sets my, sets my perspective for the day. But I want to just open up with prayer as we get started. I'm going to go ahead and jump in because, you know, we got a long way to go and an hour to get there. <laughs> so... <laughs> Will you just slip your hands up to the Lord today? Father, we thank you for all that you have done in our lives, in our hearts, in our wombs, in our spiritual wombs in this weekend. We give you all the glory and all the praise. And now, Father, as we take everything home that we have received here, Father, we want to see it birthed. And we know that it will be birthed through prayer, no other way but through prayer. So today we lean in to hear what you had to say to us as your daughters for the very purpose and plans of God to begin to align in our lives in Jesus' name. And somebody shout amen. amen. I want to just share this with you because <clears throat> this I never do this, but whenever I was flying here to Chattanooga, I had the Lord speak this to me. And so I wrote it down, and throughout this whole conference, I've heard this reiterated. And so, you know, I just thought, I'm going to just read this just to show the daughters that God is, God is intentional about what he's doing this weekend. And who's glad that you made it into the room? I'm so glad I was here. This is my first women of fire to get to attend. <clears throat> but this is what I heard the Lord say. There is an intentional shift in the body of Christ, an uprooting and a redirecting. There is a swift changing of the guards in this hour. What you have been feeling is the great shaking taking place, for this is the hour of decision and choice. I don't know how many times I've heard that this weekend. It is the hour to sever every tie to doubt, fear, and unbelief. Sever every soul tie and every tie to sin and be set free and made whole. For God is calling forth those who are obedient and consecrated and that have no other agenda but to do his will. And the Lord says, I am raising up those who will forsake their name for mine, their agenda for mine, their desires for mine. I am putting my kingdom in order, and I am releasing my anointing and establishing my kingdom through those who have ears to hear. 
So I'm here to tell you all of that you have been through over these last three years. I heard the Lord say it's been a setup for your step up. Come on, somebody. It has been strategic for this season that you are in right now. And young or old in this place today, when God is shifting you into position, it will often feel like chaos. It will often seem like a setback, and it can feel like all hell is breaking loose and that your world is falling apart. Because in order for God to shift us into position, he has to shift us out of conditions that prevent our shift. Oh, come on, somebody. God is doing a mighty work in you. Come on. He, he, he may have to shift you out of some conditions to get you in position. In other words, he may have to close some wrong doors. Some wrong doors to some wrong relationships. Some wrong doors to some wrong places. Oh, he may have to close the door to some, to some wrong plans. But if you're willing to let go and say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will, I'm ready to shift. I'm ready to get in my position. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. I heard the Lord speak that to me as I was on that plane. And my God, everywhere I turned this weekend, it would come forth. And so God is saying a thing. And we got to be prepared and ready. Amen. God has opened some wombs this weekend. Has anybody heard the Lord speak to you this weekend? Amen. He's released some callings. He's spoken to your spirit. And then last night as we closed out the service, he said, don't abort what he has put in you. Did you get that? You need to be writing down all of those things as he's been saying these things to you. So we're talking about this morning releasing God's purpose and power through prayer. Because the purposes and the callings of God are bigger than us. So it's going to take his power to release it. Come on, it's going to take his power to do it. And I believe that there are some women this weekend, and by the power of prayer, you're going to begin to see the release of a new purpose. You're going to see the release of more power in your life, new assignments, new doors of opportunities that are going to begin to open, new doors of favor, because there's a shift. Somebody say shift. Say, Lord, shift me. Hallelujah. I'm ready. Are you ready to be everything that God has called you to be? Amen. So, so I'm going to start here <clears throat> with this text. And we're going we're gonna to walk out something here this morning. So Matthew 21, 12 through 14, the Bible says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. The Bible says he began to come into the place and he turned the tables. 
See, I declare over you after you leave this conference, the tables are about to turn. The saying to turn the tables comes from the era of board games that were played with dice. Anybody play backgammon growing up or any, any of those games? If it wasn't going in your favor, they didn't necessarily turn the whole table game around. But it, if it wasn't going in your favor, you'd have to turn the table, so to say, if you were going to win. So it was the idea of a comeback. You reverse the player's current positions in order to change the outcome. So to say the tables are turned means to reverse a situation and gain the upper hand. So the person who once had the advantage in a situation now has the disadvantage. It's when you move from a weaker position to a stronger position. Come on. And it also means that you are now doing to the person what that person was doing to you. Tell your neighbor the tables are about to turn. They are turning on the enemy. Come on. And there's nothing that turns the tables like prayer. Everything that the enemy meant for evil against you, it's, getting be, it's about to get turned on him. Come on, Esther's. Come on, the, the gallows that he hung for you, he's about to get hung on them in your life. Amen. God's about to flip the script. Everything the enemy's been throwing at you, you're getting ready to throw back at him. Woo! Somebody shout, the tables are about to turn. So in our text, Jesus comes into the temple and he finds the money changers not only selling doves, but they were gouging the people. That's what was happening. They had come into Jerusalem for Passover and he walks in and he finds them charging such an absorbent amount for the doves that were needed for sacrifice. And he overturns their money-changing tables and he says, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. And then he showed them what his house was intended for when the lame and the blind came up to him and he healed them. He was saying, my, my house is a place where people can come to experience the work of God in their lives. My house is a place for the lame to be healed, for the blind to see. Oh, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But look at what the word house means. It's the word okois in the Greek. And it means any dwelling place, an inhabited house, and it refers to the human body. Paulus said it yesterday. His house is no longer in the ark or in the temple. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in us. You are a house of prayer. Hallelujah. And Acts 7, 48 said, However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me? I'm here to ask you this morning, what house will you build for the Lord? Woo! You see, house is that word okos again in that scripture. And it's referring to you and me. 
It's referring to those who are the blood-bought, the redeemed. What house will you build for him? What place will you build for him to inhabit? He was showing us in this text when he saw the greed and the wickedness and the exploitation in the temple. And he began to drive out everything that was hindering the worship of the Lord. He was letting us know there are some things that cannot stay in your life if I'm going to inhabit. Woo, come on. If I'm going to inhabit this place, it's like, you know, whenever, whenever you go somewhere, there's places that you go and you can just feel out of place the moment that you get there. You, you know, you, you just feel uncomfortable. Anybody ever experienced that? You, you arrive somewhere and you are just, man, like, I am out of place. You are so uncomfortable. You wish you had not come. You're not at home or at peace with what is going on. And you get ready to go and you get ready to get out of there. Lord, I want to be a house of prayer. I want to be a house of prayer. Make me a house of prayer. Make me be a place. Lord, that you can make your home in my heart. Drive out anything that needs to go from my life. I want to be a house of prayer. I want to be a place that you can work through. I want to be a place where people can come and they can be healed. They can be delivered. They can be set free when they touch my life. Come on, somebody. Somebody say, make me a house of prayer. Hallelujah. You know, the Lord began doing something in me in this way in August. We, we fast with our staff the first Tuesday of every month. So we'll do the, the first of the year. I know a lot of people do that. The first 21 days, we do the Daniel fast with our whole church. But we want to keep it going all through the year. So we take the first Tuesday and we fast together and we meet for, for noon prayer. And on August the 1st, it actually landed on the Tuesday. And so I had just come home after we had prayed at the church and just had our day. And I was just meditating on what I was fasting for coming into the month of August. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me to look up the meaning of the word August. And as I looked up the meaning of the word August, it pointed to consecration. August in itself means inspiring reverence or adoration of supreme dignity or grandeur, majestic, of or befitting a Lord. But then it comes from the Latin word Augustus, meaning consecrated. And the root word aug means to increase. So for the whole month of August... I was pressing our staff to lean in because I believed that we were going to see the glory of the Lord. We were going to be marked by the majestic, but it was going to come through our consecration. And the Lord had us the whole month of August just laying ourselves down. Anything that would creep up, Lord, I consecrate it before you. I lay it down. I lay my will down for your will. I, I lay down 
this attitude. I consecrate my life for what you have called me to do. I lay it down for your purpose because I'm ready to see the increase. I declare September is the month of increase. Hallelujah. Lord, make us a house of prayer. And I believe that the Lord is still looking. I know this this society and this culture tells us we can live however we want to live and still operate in the anointing. But I still believe that the Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and then he will raise you up. He told Joshua, consecrate yourself for tomorrow I will do amazing things among you. But what did they first have to do? They had to consecrate themselves. Ooh, is there anybody with me that will say whatever it takes for his glory? Lord, whatever you want to do, whatever has to be laid down for your glory, come on, will you pray that with me? Lord, for you, whatever it takes for you to increase in me, whatever I have to press through, whatever I have to do, whatever I have to lay down so that you can work your power without anything blocking your flow, hallelujah. Nothing turns the tables in your life like prayer, hallelujah. And the disciples saw this in the life of Christ, and they asked the Lord. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. When I looked at that word pray, one translation is teach us to be an instrument of prayer. They had seen him begin his day in prayer. They had seen him pull himself aside after he did miracles and pray. Before, before casting out demons, he was in prayer. He was continually in prayer. And they realized that the work he did, the power he walked in, the, the power to fulfill his purpose was from his relationship with the Father in prayer. And I know this because I never read in the Bible there was never a request of, Lord, teach us to preach. Lord, teach us to heal. Lord, teach us to walk on water. Lord, teach us to raise the dead. Lord, teach us to feed the thousands. I don't read anywhere where they say that, but they did say, Lord, teach us to pray. And they weren't interested in theory. They were interested in reality because they didn't even say, teach us how to pray. They said, teach us to pray. Hallelujah. They wanted to walk in a life of prayer that produces a life of power and it doesn't matter how old you are how long you've been saved or where you came from there is a life of power available to you that comes through prayer and you can be an instrument that the spirit of God flows through hallelujah glory to God you see, see what Jews knew of prayer, so this is where the disciples were coming from. What they knew of prayer was the Shema. It was, compromised of, of, it was comprised of three sections of Old Testament scriptures beginning with Deuteronomy 6. The Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, and with all thy strength. They had to say that first thing in the morning and last thing at night. Twice a day they had to repeat this prayer. That's what they knew of prayer. Then there was the second form of prayers, the Shemanoff, the 18 separate prayers that they memorized as a child. And they had to say those prayers three times a day, 9 a.m., 12 noon, 3 p.m. It became a custom. And anything we do by custom, it usually becomes meaningless. 
Can I get a witness? Now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Come on. We're not even listening to what we're saying. And this is what they knew of prayer. You know, racing through these 18 prayers, saying them as fast as you can. Again at noon, 9, 3 p.m. You know it so well. You can be thinking of something else entirely while you're saying these words. They just become an empty repetition of words. But when you get desperate, baby, when you get that doctor's report, when that child starts rebelling, when your marriage starts crumbling, come on, you will weep and you will cry out, help me somebody, let tragedy hit your life, let that cancer report come knocking at your door and it'll stir up a real prayer meeting. Can I get a witness? But right now, I'm telling you, there is a desperate need. That's what I want to get in your spirit. And that is a God calling, a Holy Spirit stirring awakening for His purpose and His power to be laid hold of by the church, by His daughters. In a world filled with darkness, the church is being called on to arise in power, to arise in their kingdom purpose to arise in their authority hallelujah and through prayer there's purpose that will be released destinies unlocked anointings to be loosed the tables are about to turn somebody's getting ready to take the upper hand back from the enemy in this room this morning Ooh, I can feel it I can feel it. There are some people in here, and you've made up in your mind, I'm not leaving what I received here. I'm not forgetting the word that was spoken. I can hear it in the spirit. There are some, there are some women that are ready to go home and begin to storm hail. Hallelujah. So Jesus then, when the, when the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. He says in Matthew 6, he said, Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. He said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So Jesus has just warned them about vain repetitions in prayer. So we know what he is giving us right here is a model of prayer. It's the model of prayer that will release the purpose and the power for your purpose in your life. 
I believe that this is going to be a tool that you will take home from this conference that's going to keep you walking out everything God has put in you. It's the model for a living house of prayer that he can move through. So let's just walk through it this morning. He starts out and he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So first thing, you direct your prayer towards a person, towards the Father, your Father. Father means giver and protector of life. Point your prayer to the Father, not the universe. There's a lot of praying to the universe, but we're not praying to the universe. We're praying to the one who created the universe. The universe is a creation. It's not the creator. If you've been praying to the universe, you might as well be praying to the toaster or to a boiled egg or to that lava lamp. Come on. It, the universe is a receiver of being. It's not a giver of being. So the first thing Jesus teaches about the power of prayer and the prayer of power is that prayer is about relationship, not ritual. So the disciples knew of a mere form of prayer, but there was little real thought of God and real approach to God. God wants us to be in relationship with him directly, not superficially. You're coming before your heavenly father, Woo, daughter of God. You're coming before the one who created all things. What an opportunity that he has given to us. And if there is going to be any power in our prayer, the first thing to be sure of when we pray is that we have really come into the presence of God and that we are really speaking to him. Because you see, we can kneel down in prayer and we can be thinking for more of what we want to ask God then we are thinking about the amazing, mighty God that he is. Come on, I'm going to step on your toes right now. We can be more attentive to our problems and our needs or wants than to the one who has all power, the creator of heaven and earth. We can even not be thinking of what we are asking for or of him, but our thoughts are wandering off somewhere else. We can have words of prayer on our lips, but there is no real approach to the Father in our hearts and in our minds. Am I being real? We are thinking about what we have to do today, how we are feeling about a conversation we had just had, or that we would really like to go back to bed right now. Come on. Come on. We can spend countless hours in prayer and not really be praying at all. Real prayer is having an audience with the Father. It's about coming into his presence. It's about setting your heart and your affection on him in worship.
to draw near to him and asking and receiving things from him as a son and a daughter. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. We come to him with worship. Lord, I come into your presence. There is no one like you, Lord. I exalt you above all in my life. I crown you King and Lord of my life. Oh, it's coming to him in worship. We have the right and the opportunity. You have the right and the opportunity to come into his presence. How? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Pastor Don't, I don't feel worthy to come into the presence of God. Well, Hebrews 10, 19 says, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. The moment that we accepted Christ and believed in what the blood shed did for us, that Jesus died in our place and he covered our sin and he made us accepted in the beloved and he made us righteous. It made a way to enter into the holy place and come into the very presence of God by the blood of Jesus. Somebody Somebody ought to raise your hands up in the air and say thank you for the blood of Jesus thank you for the blood hallelujah and everything we ask for and everything we receive is not by anything that we can do out of our own goodness, out of our own works, but it is only on the basis of the blood of Jesus. Somebody thank him for grace over your life. Woo! Hallelujah. Prayer is not a performance, and it's not a duty. It's a privileged relationship with the Father that we have through Jesus Christ. And when, he, when you pray, he said, pray to the Father. He said, before you ask for anything, be sure you've come into his presence. Come into his presence with adoration. Come into his presence with worship. It's not about a ritual. It's about a relationship. Somebody's going home, and you're going to walk in a relationship with the Father that you never have before. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, prayer is the instrument, not for getting our will done on earth, but for getting his will done, not forgetting our will done in heaven, but forgetting God's will done in the earth. The priority of prayer, he says, is the will of God. You know, there's this man that I, I love reading his devotional, Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? You see, there's a, another man named Lester Summerall. These were like mighty men of God back at the beginning of the 20th century. And Lester Summerall came up to Smith's Wigglesworth, and I, I read that he asked him, he said, Smith's Wigglesworth, I've seen you a dozen times, and every time I see you, you're the same. Why is that? And he said, well, Lester, I, when I, he, he said, when I get up in the morning... I don't ask Smith Wigglesworth how he feels. I tell him. 
Somebody needs to write that down. He was his spirit speaking to his soul. The spirit within him talking to his mind, talking to his emotions, talking to his willpower. Come on. Telling his mindset, mind what to think. Telling his emotions how to feel and telling his will what to decide. Huh. And, and I read that when, whenever he died, the doctors said they found that some of the bone on each kneecap was missing. And later they discovered in his house, they found two indentions about a foot apart on a wooden floor in his room where he had spent countless hours in prayer. My God, there are some times in your life to release your purpose, you're going to have to talk to your flesh. You're going to have to talk to your will. You're going to have to talk to your feelings. And you're going to have to talk to your emotions. And you're not talking to them and asking them how they're feeling anymore. You're telling them how they're feeling. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Glory to God. Glory to God. Paul said we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will and walk in it. God, uh, let me know your will and help me to walk in it. That's a prayer that you need to begin to pray. Lord, let me know your will and walk in it. Pray it over your children. Lord, let my children know your will and let them walk in it. Lord, let my husband know your will and let him walk in it. This was the priority of prayer was for us to do the will of God and we will do the will of God and we will know the will of God only through and by prayer. You see, God has a plan for your life, and he has a plan for your family. He's got a plan for your church. Come on. He's got a plan for your business. The enemy wants to keep you from prayer so he can keep you from knowing what God's will is for your life. But Ephesians 5 says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Oh, girl, get in your prayer closet and understand what the Lord wants you to do. Ask him. Pray until he shows you, until he speaks to you. His will is revealed through prayer. And when you pray, he will make known to you his will for your life. He'll make known to you if you're supposed to marry that man. Come on. He'll make known to you if you're supposed to take that job. He'll, he'll make known to you if you're supposed to invest in that business, if you're supposed to move to that city. He will make it known to you, but then you have the choice. But do you remember the word of the Lord? He said, this is the hour of decision and choice. And we were told last night, don't abort it. Somebody say, don't abort it. Make the choice to say, yes, Lord, no matter how you're feeling. Oh, hallelujah. We cannot reject what God has put in us to do. But we have that choice. It's like I had a woman come to me one time many years ago in our church, and she wanted, me, she wanted to talk to me about marrying this guy, and I, I knew I didn't even have to pray about it. Come on, like, it was like, Red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. And let me give somebody a word. Stop trying to love the red flags out of people. Listen to the red flags. 
You, you, won't, you won't change them by marrying them. But I remember her sitting down with me and she was wanting, she was wanting me to say it's okay to marry this guy. But it was so clear. I'm like, you, you don't marry him. Don't marry him. This is wrong. What'd she do? She went on and married him and was divorced in six months. Come on. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. He will tell you his will, but you got to be listening. And then you got to make the choice. Somebody say, make the choice. That's real critical right now. We, we have that, that, that will to make the right choice or the wrong choice. Make the right choice. Jesus said, if you will lose your life, you will find it. Anything you have to lay down. Say, well, if I say yes, I got to let go of that relationship. If I say yes, I'm going to have to break up with him. If I say yes, I might lose this job. I don't know what, what it might require of you if you say yes. But I'm telling you what, if you will say yes, if you will lose your life for what God has called you to do and what he's telling you to do, you will find it. You will find the very purpose and reason that you're alive on the earth right now. Hallelujah. So the tables are about to turn when you let go of control of your own life. Figuring out what you got to do. What you want your life to be. And you say, not my will, Lord, but yours. Your kingdom come in me. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Oh, it's a place of surrender. It's a place of consecration. But this is the first step in releasing your purpose. And you walking in your God-given destiny. You're going to have to lay down some things. I know we don't like to hear that, but I'm ready to lay down what I got to lay down to walk in the power of God. Hallelujah. See, we are of another kingdom. Yes, we're living in this world, but we are walking out the supernatural purpose that God has given us, and that's going to require us to lay down our own will, our own wants for his, and the power to do it is in prayer. No, you can't do it in your own flesh. You ain't got that much willpower. You ain't got that much discipline. Come on. Because when God calls you, like I said, what he calls you to do is so much bigger than you are. It's going to require his power. Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. The will of God was for him to lay his life down on the cross. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't what he felt like doing. In fact, he said, God, if you will take this cup from me, I don't want to do this. I would rather not do this. And the Bible says that he prayed until he sweated. And then he sweated until his sweat became drops of blood. The Bible said he was in agony praying to fulfill the will of God. God in his life. You wondered, why do I have to pray so hard? Why do I have to fight so hard? Because the purpose that God has for your life is so far beyond you. But if you will press in, if you will lean in, if you will call on him to work his work in you, he will meet you right there every time. I'm not here to tell you that it will be easy to lay down your will for God's will. I'm not going to tell you you're always just going to want to do what God has called you to do. 
But if we're going to be people that live out our purpose and release our destiny that God has designed us for, then we've got to be willing to lay it down. I'm here to tell you that the kingdom of God is in you. And what you have been put on this earth to fulfill in the plan of God is necessary. We can run from God's will. We can try to fill our lives with other things to silence it. We can abort it. We can choose to do what we want or what we think we should do. But if you will surrender, somebody say surrender. If you will surrender, if you will let go of your way and surrender to his way, I'm telling you the tables are about to turn in your life. See, the will of God is not always the easiest place to be, but it is the safest place to be. I would rather be in a tough place in the will of God than in an easy place outside of the will of God. It, it might look crazy right now, but... Don't get sidetracked because it's all working for you. Come on. It's producing something in you necessary for his purpose. All things work together for the good. Tell your neighbor, it's working for you. It's working for you. The purpose and power that you are looking for is in this very first part of this prayer path. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. When you seek him first and put his kingdom first, everything else will fall in place. we got to get on through this. Help us, Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he says, pray this. Give us this day our daily bread. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, Yet for us there is only one God, the Father, who is the source of all things. Not some things. Everything you need to walk in your purpose. He is the source of all things. Do you need wisdom for your purpose? Do you need finances for your purpose? Do you need relationships for your purpose? Do you need direction? Do you need healing? Do you need peace? Whatever you need... He provides all things. Somebody say everything. everything. Tell your neighbor everything. everything. There's not one thing he can't supply for your purpose. We need reliable sources in our life, right? A source is a supplier of something you cannot produce on your own. I need a source of electricity in my house in this unusual hot summer because I like to stay cool. Come on. I need a source that will provide me some cool air. But this source can have breakdowns. A hurricane might take it out. We live in Florida, and we have had that happen where we are without air, we're air for a week. Many people look to other people to be their source, money to be their source, education to be their source. But anything in this natural realm has limitations. If we try to depend on ourselves, our flesh, has limitations. But Luke 137 says, with God, nothing is impossible. We serve a limitless God. There is nothing he cannot do, and there is nothing that he cannot provide. And prayer can do anything that God can do. So can God heal? Can he deliver? Can he provide? Can he save? Can he open a door? Yes. 
Amen. Hallelujah. He said, I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God knows what you need, but Jesus shows us here that he instructs us to bring our petitions. He wants us to bring our petitions before him in prayer. It tells him that we are depending on him to be our source. So when you pray, pray specifically for what you need. God doesn't answer vague prayers. He doesn't answer general prayers. Come on. But you will know that he answers your prayer when you pray specifically. When you ask specifically, you will see it manifest in your life. I'll tell you this. For people who pray, there is no such thing as coincidences. Do I have any prayer warriors in the room and you know what I'm talking about? No, you didn't just happen to meet that person that day. No, you didn't just happen to run into that. No, you didn't just happen to see that word there and it gave you the confirmation. No, for people who pray, there is no such thing as coincidences. Glory to God. God works through prayer. And Jesus said, ask for what you need and depend on him to supply it. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Bread is the substance that sustains us. Oh, Bishop Kevin preached last night, didn't he? I just thought about that. The word bread in the Greek has at its root the meaning to raise up to elevate, to lift up. So when God is your source, he will raise you higher than you could have ever gone. He will open doors that you could never open. You see, we have limitations in the natural, but we have a source that supplies what we don't have the ability to supply. God is not limited by our capacity or our ability. If one door closes, he can open another one. And if that door closes, he can open another one. Or if that clo door closes, he can open a window. Come on. There's, there's nothing impossible for God. Whatever you lack for your purpose, he will supply it. And listen, when it comes to your purpose, just know this. God doesn't call the qualified. We've heard it. He qualifies the called. And when you come before him and you seek him and ask him for what you need, he will supply it. He will supply. Ask Moses. Moses said, God, I can't go to Pharaoh. I stutter. And he, he gave him Aaron. Come on. He, he took the stone David had in his hand and he made it enough to kill Goliath. He revealed dreams to Joseph to move him from the prison to the palace. He stepped into the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm here to tell you that through prayer, you're qualified for the job. Because what you don't have, he's going to come in and he's going to supply it. Hallelujah. Somebody give him praise for that. Praise him that he's your source. Take a five, five seconds right now and just say, thank you, Lord, that you're my source. You're my source. I'm not looking to the left or to the right. I'm not putting my hopes in anywhere else, but you're my source. Hallelujah. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to the Lord. Hallelujah. Man is not your source. God is your source. Hey, how about this? Care less about what people think and more about what God has called you to do. Will you do that? 
Care less about what people think and more about what God has called you to do. Then pray as though everything depends on God and work as though everything depends on you. Tell your neighbor he's your source. The next part of his prayer is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. I'm telling you, you're not going to move forward in your purpose holding on to unforgiveness. Forgiveness is the setting of one's will, the making of a decision. It's a decree, a decision at the spiritual level that a release is granted to the offending person or situation. Forgiveness is required, and it is through God's help that we can forgive. We can't hold a grudge. Bishop got on that last night. We can't let a bitter root get in us. We can't hold on to the offense. We can't be unforgiving. Tell your neighbor, you got to let it go. And hear me, forgiveness doesn't depend on fairness, on whether we want to or not, or who was in the wrong. It doesn't say that we excuse the offense that was done and that we're saying it's okay. It does not mean we have to feel forgiving in order to forgive. Forgiveness starts with a decision because God said, I must forgive. God says we must forgive. And forgiveness is the first step to freedom. We've all heard this saying, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. To forgive and release those who have hurt you is the first step in breaking the power of every generational curse and every stronghold and every oppression of the enemy. Have you felt stuck in some way? Have you felt oppressed in some way? Let me ask you this. Is there anybody you need to forgive? Do you feel like your prayers have been blocked lately? Do you feel like you're, you're praying and you just have this ceiling over you that your, your prayers are not reaching higher? Let me ask you, is there any unforgiveness? Is there somebody you need to forgive? When we forgive, we choose to release them and give them to the Lord. We're not saying that what they did was okay. But we are saying, Lord, I release them and I give them to you because that's what Christ has done for me. How can we receive forgiveness and not give it to others? Come on. The, the disciples said, Lord, how many times do we need to forgive? Seven they're thinking, oh, I might could do that. But the Lord busted their bubble. And he said, no, 70 times seven. In other words, in an unlimited way. Every time. Ooh. And we do it by prayer. I'm thankful that he helps us even to forgive. Lord, help me to forgive completely and put the past under the blood. I put them in your hands and release them to you. In fact, I want you to hold your hands out like this. And if there's somebody 
that you know you need to forgive. And I've had people in my life, I've had to forgive like every day. Like every day I have to get up and say, Lord, I forgive them. So I want you, if there's somebody that you need to forgive and you need to release, I want you to say this. I want to say, Lord, I confess my sin of unforgiveness. Today, I choose to forgive and release. Put their name in there. I forgive them for every word, every wrong, every wound I have been holding on to. I break the power of this unforgiveness and every stronghold attached to it out of my life, at the root, through the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. I receive your freedom today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do you feel the release in this room? I'm serious. I got like chill bumps here. Do you feel the release in this room that just happened? Somebody just had something lift completely off of your life right here. Woo! Come on, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Take a moment. Take a moment and just thank the Lord that you're stepping into greater purpose and greater power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we have to forgive. Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then he said, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So it's kind of like this. Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm going to talk to some, some moms that's got some little, little children. It's kind of like this. When you have young children and you're going to go to the grocery store, and you can take the shortcut to get to the cheese by cutting down the candy aisle. But you know if I go down the candy aisle that you're going to deal with some begging children wanting everything, grabbing the candy bars off the racks and the bubble gum, everything that you don't want them to have. So instead, you avoid the temptation and you take a different route to get your cheese. Because you see, that mom knows the temptation will only sidetrack and draw them away and hinder their progress of the mission that they are on to get the cheese. Come on. <laughs> so if we're going to be a house of prayer and a house of power, we're not looking to live as close to sin as we can, but we are praying to stay as far away from it as we can. Oh, come on. Is that still popular to preach in 2023? <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord, deliver me from evil. Deliver me from evil. Jesus told Peter, he said, Satan desires to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Lord, deliver me from temptation. 
Keep me from evil. In the name of Jesus, don't let my faith fail. Come on, somebody needs to go home and begin to put on the armor of God every day so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Run from that temptation. Put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on your shoes of preparation of the gospel of peace. Prepare yourself in the word. Lord, keep me from evil. Fill me up with the spirit. Oh, that, that was a the, the part of the, the, the armor of God. The Bible says that the, we put on the sword of the Spirit and we hold it all together by praying in the Spirit at all times. So when you pray, pray in the Spirit. There were a lot of women that got their prayer language yesterday in this house. If that was you, you need to begin to activate that and begin to pray in the Spirit. The praying in the Spirit, the Bible says, it builds yourself up in the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. That's what Jude says. So when you pray in the Spirit, you build yourself up in faith. So when you get up in the morning, pray in the Spirit over your day. Pray that you be that your faith will not fail. Lord, keep me from temptation. Deliver me from evil. Hallelujah. Be on the advance against the enemy. Don't wait for him to come to your door. Build yourself up. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Put on the armor of God. Be prepared. Be on the advance. The Bible says that there was a man named Jabez. And the Bible says that he was more honorable than his brothers. But watch this. His mother named him Jabez because she bore him in pain. That's what the Bible said. He was called and labeled as one who calls pain. He was cursed with the spoken word as one who calls pain. Can you imagine? So the Bible says, watch how he prayed. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I, might, that I may not cause pain. And so what happened? So God granted him what he requested. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He tore down and broke the curse through prayer. Because of the shed blood of Christ and his finished work on the cross, we can now through prayer appropriate the power of the cross to cancel and break every curse set against us and our purpose. Hallelujah. And in the name of Jesus, I break the power of every curse set against you every word curse every generational curse set against you and your purpose I tear it down I tear down the curse of abandonment I tear down the curse of rejection I tear down the curse of fear I tear down depression off of your life I tear down the orphan lifestyle I tear it down in the name of Jesus I tear down unworthiness I tear down trauma every curse that has been released upon you. I tear down religion in the name of Jesus. I tear it off of you. I tear down performance. I tear down shame in the name of Jesus through prayer. Lord, deliver us from temptation.
temptation. Keep us from evil. In the name of Jesus, it is through prayer that you will find yourself in freedom because it is through prayer that you can break every curse and every stronghold. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What a process. What a process. We have a heavenly father that we can come to in personal relationship, not ritual, but in personal relationship. He cares about you, daughter. He, he knows where you're at and what you're going through. He knows what he's designed, how he's designed you, what he's put in you, what his purpose and plans are for your life. And the Bible says we can come to him for all these things, to know his will, to be able to forgive Come on, to have supplied for us everything that we need and the power to be able to break every curse and every stronghold that would stand against us and our purpose. Oh, daughter of God, you got everything you need in prayer when you leave this conference this weekend, this movement this weekend. You have everything that you will need in this pattern of prayer right here to storm the gates of hell. <laughs> Hallelujah. And to see the power of God and the purpose of God released in your life. And then don't forget, he closed for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Whatever he does through you, don't take the credit for it. Whatever he does, however he chooses to use you, if he uses you to raise the dead, don't you dare get prideful. Don't you dare start strutting around up here when he opens that big door for you and think it was all about you. But for, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We don't have any power in us to save anybody, to deliver anybody, or to heal anybody. It's him. It's him. To you be all the glory, Lord, who's willing to say with me this morning, Lord, whatever you do in my life, after I leave this place, I'm going to give you all the glory for it. I'm not going to take the credit, but I'm going to deliver all the praise and all the honor to you, Lord, to your name, to you be all the glory, to you be all the honor. I'm here to tell you, Lord, you can use me. You can use me. I'll be a vessel and I'll give you the glory. I'll be a vessel. I'll allow you to use me, but I'm going to give you all the credit. Whoo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you come to the place where it's all about his glory, I'm telling you, the tables are about to turn. You're about to see what you've never seen him do in and through your life. We've got we to close. I'm going to leave you with this. In, in Luke 11, we see another account of Jesus teaching them this prayer pattern. And following it, Luke goes on a little bit further than in Matthew and he it says that that the Lord continued teaching on prayer and he said this he said suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread and you go and you knock on that friend's door and you say I've had a friend that's come to visit me and and I need I need some bread and he hollers and he says, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family's already in bed. I can't help you. But Jesus said, I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and he will give you whatever you need because of your shameless 
persistence. <sighs> Somebody say shameless, shameless persistence. He said he will get up and he will give you what you ask because of your shameless persistence. So I'm calling you to a week of shameless persistence in prayer. As you leave this place this weekend, I commission you into a season of shameless persistence. God, I'm not going to quit knocking until I see it. God, I'm not going to quit asking until it's released in my life. God, I'm not going to quit calling. I'm not going to quit praying until I see the answer. Hallelujah. Shameless persistence. Somebody say shameless persistence. Woo. Nothing turns the tables like prayer. You are a house of prayer. Walk out this model that Jesus, hey, I figure if Jesus said it this way, this must be the effective way, right? So put this in your pocket and take it home. And I declare over you that everything God has put in you, everything he has spoken to you in this conference, it will come to pass. But don't abort it. Stay after it with shameless persistence. Amen. Did you receive anything from the word today? Let's give the Lord praise. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. And we bless you for all that you're doing in this place today. Bless the coming service as we close out this conference in Jesus' name.